Hey mamas, welcome to Christian Mom Uncensored, the podcast that's raw, real, and unfiltered, getting down into the nitty gritty of motherhood. Yeah, we get down and dirty talking about marriage, life, love, relationships, and of course, raising these babies. Join me as we chat about all things motherhood. Welcome to Christian Mom Uncensored. Welcome to another episode of Christian Mom Uncensored. Let's get into everything. As you know, it's Thanksgiving week and I have other life things to talk about aside from holidays. Obviously, I'm going to talk about holidays. Hopefully, you're enjoying this podcast as you're traveling. It's family safe, but you know, I'm going to keep it real, right? We're going to keep it real on this podcast. So um, I'm right here holding a baby who's teething. So you might hear him um, chewing on his um, teether waiting for one of these teeth to break through he is six months and I feel like interestingly when I think about my kids and I think about you know I have an oldest a middle and a youngest all five and under so it's like you know generally chaos sometimes I realize how little my kids are because like Mia's five right and so she seems big to me she seems like a big kid she's starting to look like she looks like a kid she doesn't look like a baby her school pictures look so grown she you know has her favorite show she likes to dance to music she has like a strong opinion but she's still figuring it out right like she still can't read all the way yet she knows some sight words she can read like three word sentences depending on what words are in the sentence she can sound it out because of ela or whatever and honestly i really think that there should be a like a parent pamphlet when your kid starts school because when I was growing up, I didn't have ELA, <laughs> like I'm 30. So like Mia goes to kindergarten and they're like, this is ELA. And I'm like, what the heck is ELA? And like Gen Z's know what that is. So one, I'm already old because Gen Z's can recognize that and I can't. And two, I'm just like ELA. And then like the way they sound things out is really specific. Like they need to teach parents because I had hooked on phonics, okay? And they have this other stuff. And so it's just interesting navigating school. It's also weird to be an adult that isn't has a kid in like big kid elementary school. Like that's such a, like I have friends who don't have kids yet. I have friends whose kids are babies. I have friends whose kids are like my kid's age. And like, I am like a grown woman, y'all. I have a kid in kindergarten. That's grown people stuff right there. Like I have events. I have back to school night. I have conferences and a book fair. Like I'm a grown up now. Um, but yeah, I just think that, uh, I just think that it's kind of funny that, um, that I have a big kid and I was like, what the heck is ELA? But let me tell you about American Education Week. That's a different story. It would be a gross understatement to say I haven't been completely busy and trying to find out a good balance between work life and kids life in all of the things and situations where I'm still going to think about and pray about my position and what I'm doing now. Versus where I want to go and hope for for clarity for clarity and guidance. Um, that's nothing to do with Thanksgiving. It just has to do with the fact that I'm in a weird place where I don't really know what to do work wise, and it's because I'm at my job. I took on the position as an instructor, and so I'm in the training section of my job where I'm training um, people coming onto the 
coming on and take it, coming on and doing a really important role. Um, the training lasts about 11 months. It might be shortened down to nine months. I don't know, but it's around nine to 11 months, um, each session. And so I've kind of been doing this ever since Elliot was little and, The nature of what I'm doing means that there's weeks where I'm very, very busy and there's weeks where I'm freer. But looking at the upcoming schedule, it looks like there's going to be weeks and weeks and weeks where I'm not as free. And so one of my struggles is I enjoy what I do, but I don't want it to come before my kids, right? In the time that I spend with my kids, my whenever I'm on the the calendar, I have to work from 745 to 415. And that schedule, although that isn't bad, right? I mean, like a lot of parents work nine to five jobs. It it doesn't, I am aware that I could take a position that's not in leadership and work 6 a.m. to 2.30 and have the whole afternoon with my kids. And so I'm kind of in a place where if I make that decision and I consider that decision, I'm going to make that transition I think, um, in a little while, like in the new year, the reason why I would do that is because it would allow me time to have with my kids. But at the same time, I do want to see what else I can do or what else maybe I can move up and my, my schedule could be different. Um, but I don't want to like break my back and have something not work out. And so, um, I'm going to see what it looks like. And it's something I've been struggling with for months about what to do with work because on one end, I am really like one of one of the best at what I do, I think. Like there's a, there's like a, a cloud of us. There's like a group of us that are like the elites, like the good, the best instructors. And then, you know, everyone's fine, but some of us are just like really good at it. And I know that when I went through this job, it was life-changing in the sense that this job allowed me to get married. This job allowed me to have healthcare. This job allowed me to afford to have kids. And so I know that people in training, like how important and how like life-changing it could be for some people once they get through it, you know, to get their job and to, to continue to advance in their career, this is money that can set your, that can set you up, especially if you're younger or if you're older, this is money that's going to help you with retirement. And so anyway, I'm struggling with that, but I feel like I've been struggling that with that forever. Um, but back to Thanksgiving and let me tell you, (laughs) oh my gosh, I have so much to update you on in life. Oh, and American Education Week. So let's just get, let's just update. So last week was American Education Week and I, here's what's hard. I'm in a place where I feel like I have been really stressed out. I'm really trying to it feels like I'm a hamster in a wheel, right? I feel like I'm a hamster in a wheel where I'm really trying to make a better home life. When I'm trying to do well at my career, I'm trying to spend time to parent the kids and spend time with myself. And it's never been harder. It has never been harder because all of a sudden my five-year-old's at school all day. And so my time to spend with her is going to be in the evenings, Right. And in the mornings, it's always a fight or oftentimes it's a fight to get out the door. And I don't want her relationship with me to be like me hurrying her to get out the door. And so I'm trying to find time every day of every week to to, to pour into each child. And so one of the challenges of having multiples is that inevitably 
you will have to pay attention to different people at different times. Inevitably, Raphael is six months old. He's the baby. The priority is going to be if the baby needs a nap, it's time for me to put him down for a nap. Unfortunately, everything has to stop because he has to go take a nap. Um, I can push his nap back a couple minutes, a half an hour, if there's other things I need to do. But at some point, he needs to take a nap. And I feel like I don't like treading water. I don't like running on this wheel. And so with Mia, we have a sweet relationship and I know she loves me, but we are a mother and a daughter. And there's going to be natural tension, even though it has nothing to do with like teenage tension. It's just so bizarre. And what I mean by that is I don't want there to be any natural tension. You may be like, oh no, me and my daughter have a great relationship. No, Mia wants to do her own thing sometimes. And I'm an emotional mother. And so like, I, I, I guess that could be part of it. Cause I'm like often like, oh, I just love you so much. And I like pour all of that emotion into my kids. And I think sometimes Mia just doesn't need that much emotions. Like she, she doesn't feel as intensely. She's like, mom, it's fine. I'm right here. Like, yeah, I'm going to grow up. It's fine. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's not fine. Um, but so it was American education week and I had a very heavy week. When I tell you that week, I mommed so hard. I didn't do everything well, but I showed up to everything. And when I say I showed up, I had to instruct 7.45 to 4.15 every day that week. I had a book fair to take my child to. I had to go to a program for young moms and do a talk. I bombed that talk. I, um, on top of that, Raphael was sick. And so he was up at night. He was congested. I had the, both of the kids at home with me while I'm trying to work from home. And if you've ever done that, if you have to speak be online and in front of people. That's essentially my job is to speak in front of people all day. And so I was juggling them. And I decided, you know, I talked to my co-lead, um, my co-teacher and told her like, can you take the afternoon, like an hour and a half so I can like at least go to Mia's school. Her school is literally three minute drive, 10 minute walk or something like that. Not maybe not 10 minute, maybe like 20 minute walk to her school. It's really close. And so I, um, one day I'm going to actually walk to her school and back and see how long it takes. It gets nice. So I went ahead and my mom came. We went to her school. And that morning I asked her, hey, it's American Education Week. Parents are going to come visit the classroom today. Do you want me to come visit? And she told me no. She didn't want me to come. And my feelings were hurt. And this is where I'll say the lesson learned is always trust your mom instincts because your mom instincts are best. And so where I struggle with as a parent is like in the era of being like raising emotionally aware kids who have some autonomy, but also have to respect you. It's a very hard, slippery slope and situation to figure out. Because on one hand, you are my kids and I am your parent. And as your parent, there are certain things that I have to do and you have to do and you might not like it. You have to respect me. You have to listen to me. If I tell you to stop, it doesn't matter if it's not causing harm to somebody. I'm telling you to stop. So for instance, there'll be times where I'll ask Mia to stop coloring on something or to, to stop and pick something up. And she's like, but blah, blah, blah. No. Yes, I don't even, but I want to sit down, but I want to do whatever. Great. You can do those things after you do what I asked you to. And so it's like, that kind of struggle where at the same time 
if something isn't harmful, then I'm not necessarily mad about it, right? Like if you're not messing something up, if you're not damaging our house, right? If you are just doing something, I'm not going to be mad about it. Mia was painting. She had this um, like bird house. Is that what they're called? It's like a wooden house that birds can fly into. I guess it's called a birdhouse. I don't know why my mind's blinking. But so she was painting it the other day and it dried. And then, you know, the next day or, you know, sometime last week, she grabbed my nail polish and was painting the birdhouse with nail polish. Now, I didn't lose my mind, but I did ask her to stop. One, it smells like so strong because you're painting with nail polish. Two, if you spill this nail polish onto this carpet right now, I'm going to have to clean it up. She says, but I'm just painting it. That's fine. The smell's really strong. The baby's crawling around. And if you're going to do that, we need to move you because I don't want you spilling it on my carpet. If you want to paint, I can set you up to paint, but we're not painting right here on the TV stand with my nail polish. And it's like little things like that, that are a struggle. And so I wanted, so that morning I really struggled with like, do I respect her wish and not come? But then at the same time, she's five, right? Like, of course she's going to be like seeing the other kids come and be like, man, my mom didn't come. And, you know, I didn't go to her little 5k or her little run around the school or something. And parents could go, but I mean, it's fine. I feel like a lot of parents probably didn't go to that. Um, it was like an awkward time in the middle of the day. And, you know, I had, I would have Elliot and Raphael with me. And sometimes when you go to school events, it's just easier and best if it's just you and the child and not you and all the children. Um, in fact, for American Education Week, they said like, no siblings, please, like all of that. And so I had, I had Ethan watch Raphael and Elliot and I went around lunchtime at work. So I kind of balanced it out where, you know, my co-teacher wouldn't have to teach the whole afternoon. She would, you know, I'd be gone for part of lunch and then she'd have to pick up the lesson after lunch and I would jump in when I got back. Um, so I went, my mom came over, we rode up the streets of Mia's school and I was so excited to see her in the classroom. I love her teacher. Her teacher's so sweet. Um, her classroom's really sweet. Her teacher gives me good vibes, good energy and um, <laughs> all of that. And Mia starts crying. And I immediately know she's crying because she doesn't want us there. Um, my mom tries to go over and say hi, give her a hug. My mom's like socializing with the other parents. I'm more like focused in on Mia. Like what's going on here? And um, when I go over to her, she said, what's wrong? She said, I didn't want you to come. And I said, why not? Like, we're just going to see what how you do in school. She said she's nervous. And I, I stayed for five minutes. Her school pictures were ready. I, I looked at those in her cubby. Um, and then we left because she didn't want us to stay there. I gave her a hug. I gave her a tissue. I figured she wanted to like settle herself. And she's very much the type of kid where when she's upset, she's very different than my boys, right? And she's a little bit older. And I, I wonder if the boys will always be boys where, you know, if Elliot gets upset, he's going to run to me crying. Now, if Mia gets upset because she's fighting with her brother, she might run to me to tell on him, but she's not running to me because she's upset. She's running to me to tell on her brother. Elliot is going to run to me every single time the littlest thing happens. He's going to come to me. Mia, when she gets upset, she doesn't want to talk to you. She doesn't want to engage with you. She doesn't want to tell you what's wrong. She needs to sit there and cry. And when she's done, you can maybe approach her and ask her what's up and she can tell you or she might not want to talk about it. And so it's a very different dynamic. And so 
it's like a weird, you know, thing to kind of figure out where it's like, oh my gosh, already at five, you just, you don't, you don't want to hang out with me anymore. And, um, it does suck. And then that morning I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go. And Ethan was like, don't let the five-year-old tell you what to do. You want to go see her school. This is an opportunity for you to see her school go. And then I went and she cried and I was like, I should have stayed home. I've seen her school. I've, I've seen her teacher. Like they're great. Um, yeah. So that was my American education week. And then later that week I had to teach all day. And I'm telling you this lesson I was teaching was hard. It was just mentally draining. I'm bouncing a baby all day. I'm trying to make sure Elliot's okay. And then I had to go do the speech at night. And I had written down that speech, but by the end of the day, I wasn't in it. I wasn't in the headspace. I wasn't feeling myself. And I went and I did this talk and I'm holding the baby. And there's just so many factors about why the talk went bad. I would like to say that I'm a professional speaker. I talk all day instructing. I have a podcast. I am fine speaking in front of people. I'm a communications major, okay? Or I was a communications major. If there's one thing I can do, it's stand in front of people and speak. Okay, that's one thing I can do. I can do that. And I can do that relatively fine, relatively well, I would like to think. And so I go to this event and it just it just didn't go well for me. And I'll tell you the whole speech another day because I had I think what I had was good. But here is the thing. I had Raphael strapped to me. I'm trying to, you know, feed him. He's tired. I'm tired. It's seven o'clock. And I'm trying to get into this environment where I'm sitting with these girls and we're talking and I don't know how to relate to them because, yeah, they're Gen Z. They're younger than I am. I may be young, but I'm 30 now. Like, they may be young, but like, I'm a millennial. My life experiences, my way in high school, like everything was probably different. And so one, I'm like a little uncomfortable because I'm like trying to figure it out. And I'm trying to just talk about general mom stuff. I'm talking about the laundry piling up. I'm talking about the dishes. I'm talking about like how hard it is to keep things together and organized. And then I realized a lot of these moms have one baby. So like for them, sure, it might be hard. But when you have one baby, it's not that hard. I mean, like it's hard, but it's not it's not the level of chaos, I'll say, because I remember it was still hard with Mia, but I also remember Mia would take a nap and I would do the dishes and there wasn't someone else near me. You know, Mia would go to bed at night and I could fold laundry, you know, little things like that, where now that's just not ever going to happen. Okay. It's just never going to happen. Um, I can try to stay up late, but then I'm already getting up at five. So like, it doesn't serve me to stay up late. And so my new task is for me to stay up late do a nighttime clean after Raphael goes to bed, which is really hard because I'm in the bed with him while he falls asleep. Do a nighttime clean, pray he doesn't wake up, and then go to bed by like 10.30. It's going to be the new thing. It's going to be like from 8.30 to 9.30, 30 minutes of clean, 30 minutes of you time. That's what I have to do. Uh, but um, I say all that to say that the, the speech didn't go well. There was this one lady who I was sitting in front of who what was really frustrating was like, this was a talk, right? And so I'm confused on how this talk's supposed to go. I've done these before. Normally, like we sit around, we hang out, we're chatting. I'm leading something. I'm saying something, right? And no one's listening. It was like the general respect wasn't there. She's playing with the baby. The baby's smiling. Everyone's looking at the baby smiling. It didn't work out. I went home. I was mad. I was over it. Didn't have a good time there never want to do it again. 
feel like I need to like quit what I'm doing with this group. Not because I don't love the girls or love the group or think it's a good cause. I'm just like, I've aged out. My time is up. Brittany, go focus on another group of people that need your help. And I don't know if that's just like the enemy trying to come at me or if it's just like my mental capacity or what, but I was just like longest week of my life. Anyway, and so I um just have had a week <laughs> and we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. I'm excited for it. I'm actually anxious for it um, for a multitude of reasons. I think anytime there's a big family gathering, there's natural anxieties that come. And for a lot of us, it's the truth for Thanksgiving. You know, we're supposed to stay away from talking about politics and religion. But for some reason, my family finds heated discussion to be enticing. Uh, My in-laws are coming and um, that'll be nice. That speaks for itself. And so, yeah, happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) I am excited to do some cute things with the kids though Thanksgiving morning and try to start forming some traditions. That will be nice to do. Um, But I want to completely flip the script and and talk about something else. Um, Because like naturally everyone gets anxious about Thanksgiving because at the end of the day, Thanksgiving or family holiday gatherings is your chance to show off, right? Look at how well I'm doing. Look at how good I, look at how much I've accomplished. And for some of us, it feels like, you know, I'm struggling every day to wake up. So I don't really feel like going here where my family members are going to point out how much weight I gained and all of that can feel, you know, anxious. But hopefully everyone does have a really good Thanksgiving um, and is thankful to have food on the table. Not every family does. Not everyone's eaten turkey this year. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that my kids are going to be at the table with me. Not everyone has their babies with them. And so I'm thankful for that. Um, Thankful for the big things as well as the small things. Um, I'm thankful that my favorite baby wrap still fits and Rafi still falls asleep in it. But I wanted to talk about a TikTok I saw that but like I don't know maybe low-key emotional of course and so I was um watching I was scrolling and Facebook for me is just the most toxic place but sometimes I hang out there and there's this video of this young man who is getting an acceptance letter to Harvard I don't know if you guys have seen this video his name's Keyshawn and the um one of the heads of admissions comes to his classroom at high school to read him his acceptance letter and um it's really cool he's like this young cool um younger dude and um younger black guy and he gets into harvard right and so he gets really excited and i was sitting there thinking about wow he's gonna get into harvard that's amazing like that's a that's life-changing to you know say i went to harvard for anything is amazing um and now i kind of want to go to harvard because i'm easily influenced i'm like you know i'm going back to school and I honestly am starting to think about going back to school or about about doing something. And so I'm watching this video and I'm like, that's amazing. This guy's having a, I've worked hard and I've got here moment. He's having one of those life-changing moments in time that you never forget. It's like, you know, getting into Harvard, getting married, having your first kid or your second kid. Those are like moments you would never, ever forget. And I think about like all the times I've had my babies and every time I've had them, I say, we did it at the end. Cause you know, labor is hard. Childbirth is hard. Um, and to do it, you know, successfully, vaginally, safely, 
is 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 amazing. I'm thankful for all of my births. Um, even though, you know, little things didn't go as I wanted here and there. Every time I've had a baby, I've gained more and more experience with childbirth. Like I could do this <laughs> in my sleep. Um, like I know how to push a baby out easy. But I was watching this video and my th- I got sad for myself. This is unselfish. Like so happy for this young guy to get into Harvard and to start his life at such a prestigious school. But then for me, I felt kind of like, well, what, what am I? When is my big moment gonna come? And this sounds really selfish. But I think that someplace as adults, that's kind of hard. It's like once you hit certain milestones and you've been working really hard towards something, you kind of start to question, am I going to get that moment? Um, and it's it's been something that's been on my mind a lot lately is I really can't wait to have a moment in the near future, I hope. Where I go, wow, I, I did this. I made this. I can't believe I'm here. Um, and I have moments like that all the time when I look at my kids and my family. But there's other goals outside of motherhood that I really want to accomplish. And I'm really, I look at my husband and I look at myself. And we, we, we're young, right? We're 30 and 33. We work really, really hard. He works really, really hard at what he does. And I want him to one day wake up and go, wow, this was worth it. I want to wake up one day and go, I knew it. I knew this could happen. I knew if I didn't give up, this could happen. And it's, I feel like the hardest place to be on a journey is in the middle, right? The hardest place to be in the journey is in the middle, whether it's the middle of your marriage, whether it's the middle of your career, whether it's the middle of your weight loss journey, the hardest place to be is in the middle because in the beginning you have momentum in beginning you're excited. It's, it's new. Um, the challenge is like fresh in front of you. You have all the gusto and all of the energy to tackle, um, take on and tackle this challenge and you start running or you start doing whatever it is for this challenge. And it's fine if it's hard, it's fine if nothing's good because you have to just start. So once you start and you're in the routine of working, you get to the point where the weight stops falling off. You get to the point where all right, the lovey-dovey feelings aren't there. Now we're in the roommate phase of our marriage. You get to the point where your career feels stagnant and life feels stagnant. And you're like, why am I doing this? Why am I still doing this? The hardest place to be is in the middle, to not give up on the dream. Not when you have a setback. Setbacks are hard. Setbacks are really, really hard. But I think sometimes setbacks teach us things they teach us of like where we don't want to go or what we never want to do again. Being in the middle is almost like, why am I here? Like, what am I doing? Like, what is the point? Being in the middle, it's the hardest thing to do is to pursue a goal or to have a dream or to work on a relationship when you're in the middle. Because at the end, you see the fruits of your hard work. Or as you're approaching the end, you see the the positive things that start changing. You see that you're so close to that goal. And yeah, it can be hard to have that momentum to push that last, you know, 10 miles or to push that last whatever it is to the next place. But I would argue the hardest place to be in life is in the middle. And so I'm sitting in the middle. And I don't know if you're sitting in the middle. I hate the middle. Okay, I don't want to sit in the middle seat. And I sometimes think about my middle child who I'm really already struggling with 
emotionally, like myself. No, he's not struggling. He's great. He's thriving. He knows all his colors. He knows all his letters. He knows he knows all his numbers. Um, I guess we could work on shapes. I just never thought about shapes, but he's good on all the other categories. I worry about like you know when as an oldest child. <laughs> I'm the one who's setting the pace for this family. Okay, I'm the one who's gonna do things. I'm gonna one. I'm gonna break some generational curses. I'm gonna bring us some generational wealth. I'm gonna show you guys what we could do. And as the youngest, you're the baby. Everyone wants to take care of the baby. In the middle, you know, you're not quite. Maybe you're striving for what your older sibling did, or you're just not quite where your older sibling's at. But you're not gonna be like coddled like the baby. And so I really do appreciate time with Elliot. I tell you, at nighttime. Ethan puts me into bed. Rafi usually falls asleep and Elliot lays in bed with me. And I tell him these made up Mario stories. That time is so important to me because it's really a time when it's just me and him. He wants me to be like, mom, tell me a Mario story. I'll make up this story. He thinks it's funny. He's laughing. We're cuddling. That time is so important to me. That one-on-one time is so important to me. But regardless of it's the middle child, it's the middle of your career, it's the middle of your marriage, it's it's hard to be in the middle. And I feel like sometimes in the middle, you don't know what to do, right? Like when I first started this podcast, for instance, I kind of feel like I'm in the middle. I, I didn't know what I was talking about. I was talking. I, I, I can't listen to old episodes. Like they're probably fine. Like please go back and listen and like subscribe, like and follow. But like my thoughts about like what this podcast was going to be. It's going to be about tips and like tricks. Yeah, I have tips and tricks. It's more like this is hard. Do you all relate? This is hard, but let's have some faith. That's what this podcast really is. This is hard, but we can do it, right? I'm like your little cheerleader in the corner. Um, It's like me and you are having lunch together and I'm just venting. That's really what this podcast has become. The hardest place is to be in the middle. There's time, and I told you guys, I, there's things I want to add and, and change with the podcast, but there's parts of it I want to keep, right? There's parts of it that there's a reason you listen to me, I hope, and I hope it's because I'm slightly funny and because, like, you know, you understand the pain or you've been there or even if you haven't, you're like, man, motherhood's hard. The hardest place is to be in the middle. And so I'm standing here in the middle, right? Like, I'm at the start of my 30s, but I already feel like I'm 37, like I'm, I have anxiety about turning 40 but I just turned 30 and it's like because I'm not where I want to be you know why I'm not because I'm in the middle I have little babies we have a small house we have a three bed right we live in a three bed one and a half bath it's small we have a basement not a big basement but enough for the kids to go play in we have a nice backyard though I love my backyard you can't tell me nothing about my backyard but like this isn't the house I want to live in forever so I'm anxious to go buy this new big dream house I I want I want a house I want to own a house I want to be big I want to be five bedrooms at least okay five bedrooms at least you heard me say at least right I want you know a two-car garage that's great I want a good-sized backyard I, I care about a deck a little bit, but more so than that, I care about like having like a good like landscaping in the backyard. If I don't have a deck, maybe I can have a gazebo, you know, maybe, you know, all these little things that sound really bougie to me that I don't have yet, but it's hard to be in the middle waiting for it. It's hard to be sitting here like, and so obviously I know like, you know, that I'm working toward it, but I still feel like a hamster spinning on a wheel. And so anyway, if you're in the middle of a journey, this is just your reminder to keep going in the middle of a weight loss journey, in the middle of your marriage, in the middle of your career, just keep going. Because I'm going to keep going. I don't necessarily want it. I'm really good at restarting a project. A lot of us are really good at starting something and not finishing something. You know why? Because the middle is hard. The middle is where it gets boring. 
But if you can overcome the middle, you can make it to the end. And so honestly, this is what I needed to hear. I just basically talked to myself because I needed to hear that as somebody who's sitting in the middle, in the middle and also in the beginning and like there's different spaces in life. Um, When you have little kids too, let me say this about your marriage, the little things matter so much more than the big things. Just remember this, one day they will grow up and you will have that time back. That doesn't mean not to make time. Yes, make time. In fact, it means the opposite. For sure, pour into your marriage because you don't want to look at each other one day when they're gone and like not know each other. But also acknowledge that like right now, I haven't been on a couple's trip since we got married because I have all these kids, right? (laughs) One day I can go on a couple's trip in about five years, which sounds far for me. In about five years, I'll be 30. And in about five years, I can go on a couple's trip. It'll be different. I'll have my youngest will be five. I could leave Mia for two days if I wanted to with my mom. No worries. So in about five years, I could do that. I could do that. I could go for a weekend. I could go for five days, probably. I probably wouldn't want to. I'd probably want to do like a three-day trip and then I'd get anxious. But you know, it's just being in the middle. That's hard. Okay, enough of the middle. On a different note, we are slowly beginning the house hunting process. And when I say slowly beginning, I mean very slowly because I'm considering... So we've been waiting to get to a certain point to go ahead and start like actually searching for our our home. And I don't think we'll be prepared to move for a year. Like honestly, realistically, we're going to need to be where we're at probably for a year, which is fine um, because I don't know where I want to go. And so now I realize I really have to just pray over 2024 that God directs us on wherever we're supposed to be at because we live in a place where where we live now is really great it's like 30 minutes to work 30 minutes to basketball like 40 minutes to basketball actually um you know 25 minutes to my mom's and so we're really in the middle 25 um, 30 minutes to my grandma so like everything with is within 30 minutes of like people i need to see and the important places we need to go work and family are all within the 30 minutes um, you guys know I've considered moving to Georgia and, um, that would put us, you know, six hours away, um, possibly longer. And so it would be a really big shift in adjustment because I do rely on my family heavily. Also, when I think about moving to, when I think about moving and I've considered talking about like new place, new space, all these other things, it's hard because on one hand you have to like measure what's important and I'm really having a hard time. On one hand, I would love to live in a great area that's close to certain places that has access for all of my kids. On the other hand, I see such a value in my kids growing up with their family around them and growing up surrounded by family. Um, it also obviously helps me out forever as long as my my family's you know around because I can that means I can go see my family whenever that means I can babysit they can have sleepovers um and so I am kind of going to cast my net pretty wide in terms of house hunting and start praying over it more start getting focused on it more and look at the areas that I would very heavily consider um and also I'm saying casting a wider net I'll look at areas that are within our 30 mile, um, 30 minute radius that I haven't considered um, because of whether it's like price or school system or things like that. Um, things I won't compromise on our school system, I said school system, um, 
that's the one thing I won't compromise on. And so, like, the area my mom lives in is good. Like, the the whole area we live in is good. It's, like, nice. But the only concern is I very much love me as elementary school. I um because the high school's our backyard, I just feel connected to it. Like, I don't know. Let me go look at the stats on the high school because right now where we live, she would be zoned there. And obviously, that's not for many, many years to go. She's in kindergarten. But those things do kind of sort of matter. And so um, definitely just starting to think about what I want the next three years of our lives to look like. Very serious that by 33 everything's really nice and tight and lined up and and we're in like very different places than we are now. I talked about feeling like we're in the middle and right now it's the it's the truest sense that we're in the middle. Um, where Ethan and I are both at places career-wise where we can continue going up our food chain and then it makes sense to stay where we at, where we're at or we can start thinking about doing something different. And if you know me, <laughs> that's all I want to do. And so I'm, I'm really trying, trying to figure out how to shift that focus and kind of break up my months, my year. And if you haven't heard me say this before, uh, what I like to do instead of doing an overall New Year's resolution, which I think everyone's going to start to think about now, um, now that we're in the holiday season and heading towards the end of the year, we start to think about what were our goals and what do we want to accomplish. And I will tell you that um, what I've done that's been successful and what I've done that's been unsuccessful, but largely success depends on the type of person you are, right? Some people can like, the best thing to do is to have like one singular goal. Not the best. One easy way to accomplish your goal is to have one singular goal, right? Because if your goal for that year is to do something very specific, my goal for this year is to grow the podcast by this many listeners. That's a very specific goal. Now, how I do that, like, the problem with that is that, like, that has to do with me and it doesn't. Like, it has to do with the algorithm and then it also has to do with the content I'm pushing out. And so it is, like, you know, a twofold. But to have that goal, to see it every day, it's really easy. My goal is to lose 15 pounds and maintain that weight for the entire year. That is a very specific goal. Um, you can physically see numbers on the scale. Now, I don't subscribe to that type of lifestyle. I don't believe in like numbers unless you need to like unless you're unhealthy. Um, I go the opposite way. Like I get obsessive and like <laughs> unhealthy in the other way. And so I can't. I don't own a scale. We don't have a scale in my house, and I will not allow a scale in my house. If you need to know how much you weigh, you can go to the gym. You can go to the doctor's office. You can go to Rite Aid. Um, you're not going to have one. You can go to grandma's house, but you're not going to find out in my house. Um, so a couple of ways to attack your goals is to just have one singular, really specific goals and then little bucket list items for the year. It's fine to do like I'll do a seasonal bucket list and we'll either accomplish them all or we won't. But the good thing is that when I look at like, what do I want to do if I get bored? I look at our bucket list. And if it's like this weekend, we have nothing going on. We can like check mark our seasonal bucket list. So for the summer, we had like go to the zoo. We had like have a backyard barbecue, throw a pool party, um, you know, go visit these people, um, different little things like that. Go to a food truck festival. Like I had these things on our bucket list and we didn't go to the zoo yet. And I still keep telling me yet, like we're going to go before the end of the year. It's getting closer and closer. 
but our end of the year vacation's coming up in DC and we might just go to the zoo, but half the animals might be gone. So I don't even know what we're doing. We might just have to go to the aquarium. And then, you know what, what we've all been to the zoo before. It's not that big of a deal. Honestly, it makes sense to wait until spring when Rafi's older and might actually enjoy it. But anyway, regardless, we didn't go to the zoo. Um, We've been many times before. We just haven't gone this year. So anyway, um, little things like that can help you. So for the winter, if you're someone like me who gets seasonally blue or seasonal struggles with seasonal depression or just tends to struggle in the winter in general because we're indoors and people tend to get sick more and, you know, it's cold outside, making a bucket list can really help. So like a holiday bucket list is fun. Because, you know, there's 15 million events you can go to during the holidays. There's also things you can do at home for the holidays. Um, And I'll talk about that maybe in a minute. But then for the winter, it might be things like, well, it's cold outside. My goal is to take the kids to two museums this winter. My goal is to take the kids to the aquarium this winter. My goal is to um, create a craft that we can do all winter long. My goal is to repaint, you know, the bedrooms in the house. And we can do it as a family. My goal is to... um, do family photos this winter like little things that you can do um to do like an outside scavenger hunt or indoor scavenger hunt um my goal is to set up craft stations like whatever your little goals are um you can do in the winter and then like you might want to do something I like to do is I've always been a go out party type of girl which not like in a bad way I mean maybe when I was in my 20s but as a mom, like obviously, <laughs> I like to get together with my friends, and so I like to throw themed parties. And so, like, maybe, and I like to do them during the day because my kids are cranky. So, like, from 2 to 6 p.m. is prime party time. The kids have napped if I put them down for a nap early, um, excluding Robbie, who does do one more nap in between that period, but he'll fall asleep in the baby wrap strapped to me. Um, it's not too late. You can have dinner together and not worry about dinner. Um, and then by 6.30, everyone's leaving or you're leaving and you can go home and do bath and bedtime and you survive the witching hour. So I like to do these like little parties and they could be holiday parties. Like you could do a bake-off with your friends. You could do a karaoke night with your friends. You could do a game night with your winter game night with your friends and everyone dresses up in a costume. You could do like you know, celebrity, everyone dresses up as a celebrity or everyone dresses up as a cocktail. Everyone dresses up as a food or everyone, you know, do a charcuterie board party. That's what we did for our Friendsgiving. Um, and so like little things like that help you get through winter. Maybe there's tea. I don't know if you guys have any like local tea shops near you, but you could have like a little tea party with friends. Um, the one that I go to, your kids have to be five to attend. And so for this winter, I want to take Mia on a mommy daughter date to the tea place, you know, little things like that, um, that can really like build you up. I also like to throw random parties for my kids where I'll get like birthday party supplies. Like I did this for Mia before the Barbie movie came out. So like a long, a while ago where I was like, let's watch a Barbie movie, not the Barbie movie, but like an actual animated Barbie movie and have a Barbie party. And I went and I got Barbie plates and Barbie cups and Barbie tablecloth and brought down her Barbies and we um I ordered pizza and like kept it simple and we I had us make our own like tea so like Mia can mix in her sugar and everything like sweet tea and um it was like chamomile tea though because I like low-key wanted her to be calm but it doesn't matter and so like 
you then you just have a little party. I did the same thing when Turning Red. My kids are obsessed with Turning Red, the movie from Disney, for a while. I just randomly bought all the birthday supplies and was like, let's have a Turning Red party and watch the movie. Doing little things like that can be fun. Um, sometimes it's fun to do it for movies they've already seen and they already like because then they'll be really excited to see the birthday supplies. So like just random little family night ins, you know, things like that. I did this one day where we all went to the dollar store and, and like, I love the dollar store, but I haven't like shopped there seriously. I don't normally shop there seriously, but they have a lot of good stuff. And I used to shop there in college all the time. And so one day I was like, you know what? Let's go to the dollar store. We got crafts, we got snacks and we had a movie night. And I was like, get as many snacks as you want. Cause we're at the dollar store, like pick some snacks out. Now they picked some and they're like, what are these? And, you know, cause it was, you know, some of the brands were not there but they had like goldfish you know pepperidge farm and so they did that and like that's fine and so anyway I kind of went into a whole different tangent but um definitely making yourself seasonal goals or seasonal bucket lists I think is a good idea same for the summer we do it like every season um for the fall we didn't do a poster we just did all the things already like we went pumpkin patching and we went pumpkin patching. We went pumpkin picking and apple picking and um, we did a trunk or tree and, or at least Elliot did. And, you know, we did trick or treating and we had a Halloween party with um, our friend Soraya. And so like we, anyway, that's just advice to get through the winter is to make up. It might be like, you know, go ice skating one time. It might be like, see a show. If you're like, you know, if you have the ability, you know, go see a play in the area, um, do things that you would normally do. Cause you would be outside, but do like, you know, things locally inside, put on a cute coat and go out dinner with my friends. Um, one thing I'm going to do this winter is there's this winery nearby. And I did this two winters ago cause I was pregnant last winter. You can rent an igloo and they're like these individual little igloos. They're so pretty. Um, and there's, they're heated on the inside. You still want to wear a kind of like a coat cause it's kind of chilly. So you dress up kind of fancy with like a pretty little fluffy coat and you try wine and they have pizza there. So you can have pizza. It's also like kid friendly. You can bring your kids to the igloo. I just don't know. Like I, it would be my preference not to, cause like if I'm going to enjoy this experience, I want to do it in peace, but you could bring your kids or, you know, cause they serve pizza and juice too. And like, so that's one thing I'm going to do this year this winter I like to do things after the holiday season I like to have like specific ideas because like there's so much to do during the holidays and then January and February comes and you're kind of like bored and so like Valentine's Day Igloo is cute um just sometime in January the end of January everyone's done spending all their money like you can kind of afford to splurge on some wine and pizza like that kind of thing um back to goals though so another way besides having one singular goal that in like setting a timer that it can help you achieve your goals I really do think that setting a timer every day at the same time is helpful um for me 9 30 p.m I'm gonna do my 30 minutes of writing or my 30 minutes of content my 30 minutes of whatever fuels my soul um whatever I decide my goal is but The other thing that can kind of help you is if you just choose a word for the year, Um, if your word for the year is budget, then you focus your entire year 
on creating a budget, sticking with your budget, starting your savings plan. If your you know, word for the year is health, you're really focusing in on your health. And that means that the other things might have to fall to the wayside. The thing about life and goals that I've realized is that I have a bunch of goals, right? I want to lose some weight. <laughs> I want to advance in my podcasting platform, right? I want to expand the YouTube and the content creation side of life. I also want to organize my health. I also want to change my diet. Not to say you can't do it all, but it's overwhelming to tackle all of those at once. I think it's easier if you narrow down and say, okay, my number one priority is my marriage this year. That means no matter what, regardless if I record my podcast or not, marriage comes first. No matter what, that can be your focus. And then the other goals might have to get trickled in, which naturally means they may be worked out slower. That's okay. Having one word can also help direct you in like a broader sense. Um, I do think really specific goals are more, like if you say my goal is to save $3,000 this year. I want to save $3,000 this year and I'm going to use that money to open up this account that's my goal. Well, that's a really specific amount of money. That's a specific $3,000 I think is like a, it's a, it's a realistic amount of money to save. Um, $1,200 is a realistic amount of money to save. Taking that money and putting it into a money market or opening up and doing some investments, that's a realistic goal. So that means you can look at your 12-month plan and say, every month I need to save at least this much. If one month I do better, I can put more towards my goal. And as I see that amount increase, boom, I've reached this tangible limit. So like, I do think really specific goals are helpful, but broader goals are not bad. I think if it's one word, if the one word is um, exercise, then you know you have to exercise. It just depends on the type of person you are and how disciplined you are. I tend to be moderately disciplined in the sense that I'm really disciplined in certain areas of my life and I'm very not disciplined in other areas of my life. For instance, going to the gym, I love to work out. And like, if you ever (laughs) worked out with me, like I kind of go beast mode. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm pretty like, I can get in it, but it takes a lot for me to get to the gym. I'm not going to lie. It takes a lot of planning and preparing to go to the gym. I can't just wake up at five and go. No, you can say, sure you can, Britt. I I have clients that do it all the time. Good for you. Those clients aren't me. I have a (laughs) six-month-old who is going to wake up at five with me, my husband who is not going to wake up at five for me, and so therefore, I can't be at the gym at five because, and I'm not leaving my six-month-old with strangers because one, that's not my MO. If I wanted to do that, he'd be in daycare. Like, I, I would simplify my life that way. And two, not that there's anything wrong with gym daycares. It's just not my vibe, not for my baby. It's my vibe maybe for my five-year-old. I could do that with her because she can talk to me. She can tell me if something goes down that she doesn't like. She she can communicate. Like, my five-year-old, fine. I can leave you for an hour and go Zumba. Not my six-month-old. So, um, in terms of the gym, I can be more lax. Now, in terms of motherhood and organizing life and, like, creating a brand, I'm a little more disciplined because it's something I really, really want and I can find time to do at three o'clock in the morning when I can't sleep, at nine o'clock PM when the kids are asleep, on a Saturday afternoon, if Ethan takes the kids for an hour, I can find time to do those things. And so that's also just really 
helpful. It's also just really, really helpful. Um, so I said that um, doing one word can be helpful. Like if your word is health, that means you're really focusing overall on your health. You're taking your vitamins every day. You're making sure that you have, um, you've gone to the doctors at least once this year. You have gotten blood work done this year. You're walking a couple times a week. Um, you're eating more greens than you normally do. Little things like that can help you with your overall health goal. I said um, being really specific about your goal can help. Um, another thing I did is let's say realistically, I want to accomplish more than one thing this year. When I did my goal last year, and this is what flopped for me, is I, I don't know if you guys are Rachel Hollis fans. I know she kind of got canceled, but like I didn't cancel her because like I just don't stay in the know. Um, but so she does this thing called 10, 10, 1, right? And you put like your 10 goals, your 10 dreams that are going to like lead you to this one big thing. So I kind of did that myself. And so I wrote down 10 goals that I had for the year though. 10 is too big of a number. So I looked at my thing and I've had this up all year and I've glanced at it and I felt like a failure just staring at all the things I didn't accomplish. Um, and some I realistically won't accomplish in the next however many days till new year. But 10 is just too big of a number, especially the type of goals I set in the circumstance I'm in. I have a baby that is a breastfed baby. That means I can't leave the baby. I have a three-year-old and I have a five-year-old who have to go to school. I have a job. That means that I don't have like all day to work on my goals, right? Like I have responsibilities. Um, I do think if you pick three really specific goals that you can accomplish those three, and if you do your big three for the year, then you can focus and tackle each area. For instance, let's say your big three is, I want to lose 10 pounds and I don't like to do weight. I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to lose 10. I want to lose five inches off my body. I want to lose five inches off my whole body. That's like more realistic. It's more realistic to lose inches than it is to lose pounds. I want to lose five inches off my body. I want just five inches. I just want those five inches gone. Goal number one, how I'm going to make that happen You'll have to figure that out, whether that's eating better, whether that's intermittent fasting, whether it's a combination, whether it's a personal trainer. For me and my goal with my fitness this year, for me, it's a personal trainer that I can realistically go see every Saturday and every Thursday and maybe even every Monday, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, personal trainer. For me, I know that for one, I'm a people pleaser, so I'm not going to not show up to the personal trainer because I will have anxiety about letting this person down. So that me having a personal trainer actually works well for me. Two, I like when you yell at me. I can't have a gentle personal trainer like, good job, Brett. Yeah. Can you do one more? No, I need a personal trainer to be like, you need to go move, 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 move. Like that's the kind of workouts I like. Like I want you to yell at me like I'm in boot camp, which is why I love Soldier Fit. And like any boot camp style class, because one, I'm competitive. So like group exercise is good for me because I'm like, if she's not quitting, I'm not quitting. And then two, if you yell at me, like I'm going to do it. Um, so like that's say that's your goal. So you say I want to lose five inches. And the way I want to do that is I'm going to hire a personal trainer and work out these many times a week. Number two, I want to save $3,000. That's a realistic goal you can do 
while seeing a personal trainer if your budget allows for it. I get a discount if I sign up with a friend. So me and my friend are signing up for a personal trainer together. We already get a discount because we're members at the, at the place we're going to. And so, boom, there you go. Wanting to save $3,000 is realistic. That could be your next, like your second goal. Your third goal might be something career oriented. It might be relationship oriented. I want to grow in intimacy with my husband. How do you do that? Now that one's harder and I can talk a lot about marriage. In fact, I feel like maybe one night me and my husband need to record a marriage episode together because and get real raw, but like, not tonight, I'm tired, but like, yeah. Um, or, you know, I want to start, for me, I want to sell a house. Let me sell my first house. That's a very specific goal. It's an attainable goal and it's not unrealistic. Like I'm going to sell seven houses this year. I've never sold a house before. So let me, let me get over the hurdle of at least selling one, right? If I can sell one, I can sell another. And so let me start there so that I can figure out what I'm doing. So my goals are going to be something like that. Um, Those are not my specific three, but having three specific goals, um, because sometimes we want to accomplish more than one thing, is more obtainable and you have to make sure you can work it in. It can't be something ridiculous, like I'm going to write a chapter of my book every week. That might not be realistic. It's not realistic for me. Now, I can say I will dedicate X amount of time to my book every week. I'll dedicate two hours to my book every week, which isn't a lot, but that might be all that I have. It might take me longer to write the book, but I'm going to get it done more realistically than if I told myself I was going to write a chapter a week. Why? Because every week is different. There are weeks where like I have parent-teacher conferences and school performances and group meetings and all of these other little things that I'm part of. And there are weeks where I have none of that, where there's no school conferences and, you know, it's just a regular week and I can probably accomplish more and I don't have to teach. And so it's like, if I know every week I need to spend at least two hours, that means that this 10 minutes at my lunch break counts. That means that this one hour I spent after the kids went to bed counts. That might mean that two times a week I write for an hour and that's it. And the weekend I can focus on my other goals. If you are going to do a New Year's resolution, you kind of have to plan it. And I think just saying I want to do this is not enough. I think having a plan for how you accomplish those goals is good. Not I want to lose 10 pounds, so I'm going to join Planet Fitness. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. I'll tell you why. It didn't work for me. (laughs) It can work, but you can join the gym. And then when are you going? And then what are you doing at the gym? And then how often are you doing it? And like, it might be that you just have to start by saying, I'm going to go walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes every time I go to the gym. That's a great start. That's a fine start. But if you don't have a plan, (laughs) how are you going to execute the goal? And so, um, yeah, that's my advice. So either have one very specific goal, set a reminder for your goals, Um, have a general theme for the year. If you're trying to improve one area of your life you really want to improve on, maybe it's being more intentional with your kids. That means everything is about being intentional with your kids. That means that you set a timer on your phone or on your ALEXA or on your 
microwave or wherever you're at and that timer goes off that phone goes down and your attention turns to your kids like there's ways to accomplish those kinds of goals I'm also a big believer in planners and not everyone uses a planner I love planners I have a planner I want a new planner because I just always want a new planner I just like love a new notebook I think I just love opening a fresh notebook but I'm gonna keep my planner because it's functional, I might just get an additional planner, which I'm really also known for having multiple planners. Like my friends in college who are like, Brittany, why do you have three planners? And I'm like, well, this one's just specifically for school. This one's specifically for goals. And this one has both combined. So if I need to look at my overall schedule, I'm looking here. If I really just want to focus on homework, I can look here. And then if I'm just working on my goals, I look here. That is who I am. It's kind of obnoxious, but yeah. Um, so those are just some tips for starting the new year off right the and like the other thing you might want to do is like maybe your goal isn't to like achieve something but to better yourself in a way maybe your goal it doesn't always have to be achievement based we work in like a rewards based society like where we work to get money when we get paid we can buy something like we work in this weird we live in this weird materialistic um instant gratification society and so like I was talking about how hard it is to be in the middle of the journey a lot of us are not being good in the middle my husband like validated this point my husband slash god validated this point because after I talked about that on the podcast um, as I was recording this episode my husband sent me a text and this text and a text a tiktok he texted me the tiktok and it was this guy and he was basically saying like you need to pick yourself up. There is more than enough time to accomplish anything you want to accomplish. You do not have a set date. You do not have a set clock. Um, now, some people do, like, if, you know, in really serious, you know, harder situations. But for generally speaking, everyone who's listening to the podcast, I hope, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've reached this level in your career or if you haven't. It doesn't matter if you have gotten married or you haven't. It doesn't matter if you have gotten the dream job or you haven't. It doesn't matter if you have the degree yet or you haven't. If your goal is to achieve or your, if you really want to achieve whatever dream you have, you have to be good at waiting for it and working for it. And then he said, like, I forgot what he said. It was really good. He said, the person who's going to, I'm, gonna, I'm summarizing, and this isn't exactly what he said, but he said something like, the person who's going to finish this 10K is not the person who's focused on finishing the 10K. It's the person who enjoys walking that 10K. Because if you can at least walk, you're eventually going to reach your destination. So can you be a part of the process? Can you walk through the process? And some of the process is being a beginner or waiting or stag- being stagnant. Some of the process is plateau. Part of the process is plateau. That means you've reached a level you didn't reach before and you're not ready to break into the next level. Like you have to be willing to go through all of those steps. And so as we close this year, just know the fact that you survived is a testament. And I'm telling you because I didn't achieve half of my goals this year. I've choose like maybe two. Um, but like that's good. You woke up today. You showed up today. And even when you didn't want to. And I can remember days like last week when I tell you I was a boss I was tired I didn't I didn't always perform my best which shows that I need more time to fill my cup and to rest and reset because that week was insane but like I still showed up 
And I get to pat my back and say, good job, mama, because I still showed up. Even if you did it half asleep, even if you did it and you should do didn't shower, even if you, you know, didn't want to be there, you showed up and like you showed up this year. That's all that matters. So the last two things I want to talk about, and I feel like I can go long on the podcast because I haven't recorded in a while, but um, is this motherhood decision-making and comparison game that is hard because some of the things that were said feel valid to me. And then some of the things are like, but that's not necessarily the whole case. And I'm going to give you the full backstory and like the entire process. But here's what I want to say. I think as moms, we all have different specific goals for our kids. Some of us enter motherhood really educated on raising kids. And what I mean by that is like when I... So I grew up with younger siblings. I have three younger siblings. I worked in my church's nursery. I was a full-time nanny. And so when, and I listened to birthing podcasts and I tend to be like scrunchy. So I'm like a little more holistic. Like I'm not quick to give you any medicine. Like I'm more quick to kind of find a natural way, but I'm not against medicine if it's needed. Um, and so when I entered motherhood, I knew I wanted to breastfeed. I knew how I felt about certain vaccines. I knew how, you know, I was, I entered motherhood with clear decisions in mind of what I wanted. And there's some people who have kids who've never had siblings, never babysat a kid. And so they're not quite sure where to start in their motherhood journey. What do I research? How to be a mom? Like, is that going to yield any good positive results? Um, and I, if I, I have great resources for anyone who like is a new mom and wants some resources. Um, I can point you in that direction. But the thing is that we all enter our motherhood journey a little bit naive on how hard motherhood actually is. And decisions that we thought we would make, we might not always make because our, our realities change and situations change and circumstances change and our viewpoint changes. But I'll say this, there's always been such of like a, one-upship on moms in certain areas and I feel like everyone feels a different way depending on where they are in life so you know I talk a lot about when I was working I hung out with these two stay-at-home mom friends and I thought they were the better moms because they were home all day with their kids and then you know there was me who had to drop my baby off and go to work and you know I still kind of have to do that but not not as much now and I think about who I was then and who I am now and and like the balance and I will say that whether you're a working home working mom a stay-at-home mom or a work-from-home mom it's all hard on different levels when I was a like full-time out of the house working mom because I am a full-time working mom I work over I break I work probably 50 hours a week 50 probably 50 hours a week um give or take, depending on the week, but, um, no less than 40. I'll say that I don't work anything less than 40 hours a week. Um, I remember when I was out of the house, how much I cried, how hard I struggled with breastfeeding. Cause I, I'm not a good pumper. Like some people are professional pumpers. That's not my experience. I, for me, if I'm going to breastfeed my kids, I'm going to breastfeed my kids. Like for, I can't pump. And I like wish that I could be somebody who could pump and be successful because it does yield some sort of freedom. Although now you're attached to the pump and your baby, at least there's the option of being away for seven hours 
because you know they'll eat and you can pump. It's annoying because I did it with me. It's annoying to have to stop what you're doing and pump and store it and make sure it's all good and then come home and put it away or freeze it or do whatever you're going to do with it. But in those times, because I was used to leaving her and it's still, I cried. I used to count how many hours we were apart. I would take off if I was going to be out like one night. I also knew I could leave her and she could be fine. And so I would, I had times, you know, once a month, twice a month where I could go out with friends and not be worried. She'd be with her dad who was gone more than I was. And so I was like, well, they need to spend time together. And so I had this whole thing where for, in terms of self-care, it was better than what it is now because like, I can't leave. And so, um, and I laugh about it, but no, like really, I can't leave. I can't leave. I haven't left in so long. I used to, and I'm thinking back even in the summer, these one hour mom dates to eat sushi were so necessary, but now we're just so busy. It's like hard to even find time for that. Um, when I was going through my early postpartum with Raphael, the baby, I struggled the hardest this time around postpartum. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember struggling with Elliot. Um, not to say that I didn't, but I feel like it was very different. I was planning a Disney trip and I'm planning a Disney trip now. It's just kind of far away. Um, at the time I was a little bit closer. I went in like February. So like, I'm not going till March this time the end of March. So it's like a little bit longer, but I was planning a Disney trip and I was like in love with how much Mia loved being a big sister. And Mia had already been a kid where she, you know, went to her dad and hung out with him. So it wasn't like as hard. I did cry and like, you know, mourn her only childness. And like, and just like I mourned Elliot's youngest, like this is the last day I'll be the youngest in the family. Like I mourned that day, but, um, sitting and just doing mom stuff every day, I'll tell you, and this is where it's kind of hard for me. I don't have to get physically dressed every day, right? I could be in loungewear. I can be in work loungewear. If I'm not teaching and I don't have to be on camera and I'm just prepping, I could be in pajamas all day. I don't have to get dressed. And, um, you know, I don't necessarily, when I was on maternity leave, I was all about the kids. Like, let's go to the park. Like, let's play. Um, and like so concerned with like going back to work and how hard it was going to be and it's been so hard y'all it's been like the hardest thing I've ever done but um second hardest thing I've ever done leaving Mia was harder because I had to leave her every single day this is hard on a different level because it's like multitasking to the millionth degree but when I think about motherhood every part of it's hard whether you're working or whether you're a stay-at-home mom and I do think there's like differences in like privilege and then so the the whole debate was like in to be a stay-at-home mom you're privileged if you're able to be a stay-at-home mom and I will say that it's like I don't like that sentence because some people stay at home because of the cost of daycare I know how expensive daycare is it's like it doesn't make sense for me to go to work if like my entire check's going to daycare I might as well be at home right and then, like, instead of having a stranger do this, the other side of it is, like, maybe your entire check does go to daycare, but you know, once your kid turns five, that check's not going to go to daycare anymore, and you continue to advance your career. So you decided to keep working. Maybe even though you're working, it's not going to, like, elevate your family right now, but it might for the future. Like, 
all of it's hard. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a working mom, whether you're a work-from-home mom, they're not really comparable because they have different challenges. And every person is built to deal with different things differently. We all handle things differently. We all handle stress differently. Some people, friends of mine are like, I'm scheduling my C-section and going to have my baby. If I had to schedule a C-section, I would need to like sit down with a therapist, talk myself through it because that's not like in my periphery of what I've had to do as a parent. And two, it's not what I I would want to do. Like I know some people that choose that. I know people who did not want a C-section and had one and they had traumatic birth experiences. And that breaks my heart. And that makes me feel like, well, I'm privileged that I had a doula and like the first, the second time. And, you know, I, you know, was able to give birth and bring my babies home, like without hardship. Like I acknowledge that my birthing experiences were great. And, like not everyone's is and like, blah, 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 blah. Like, but everyone's equipped to handle things differently, which is why everyone's lives and everyone's families look differently. Like my husband married me. I married him. We gave birth. Well, I gave birth. We had our kids and that's the life we were supposed to have. We are on the journey we're supposed to be on. You're on the journey you're supposed to be on. And just because you want one thing over the other doesn't make you a better or worse parent at all. Whether you decide to breastfeed or bottle feed, that is your choice. These are your kids. It's not society's kids. And so like when you make a decision that these are my kids. So like God knew the type of mom I was going to be before I became that mom. Sometimes I ask God why he made me this way. I do quite often. But he knew Brittany is going to be an insane kind of emotional person. And she's going to bring all of that emotion into motherhood. And on the good side, her kids are going to be emotionally safe. On the bad side, she's going to cry a lot. But like... We're all meant to do different things. And so I wish that, and I have to tell myself this too, because I look at moms that are like maybe 10 years older than me and are in different places in life or some moms who are the same age as me and in different places in life. And it's like, we're not all supposed to be at like a benchmark. Like, first of all, who said this was the goal? The goal is happy, healthy babies that are emotionally secure, that are fed, that are clothed. If they have a roof over their head, food in their bellies, clothes on their backs, and parents that love them, they are privileged, regardless of what their parents are doing, as in working or staying at home. Like, they are privileged. Our kids are privileged to have clothes to have clothes on and to have clean drinking water. Like, those are privileges I'm not going to take for granted. To be, like, safe and secure in our homes right now with everything that's happening in the world right now, it's a privilege to, like, go to sleep at night and not be terrified. And if I am terrified, it's because of anxiety and I definitely need to talk to God and a therapist about it. But like, I wish that we would just cheer each other on even when we're in different places or want to do different things. I'll tell you, I have a best friend. I have two friends, but my best friend and I are very different people. Like, love her to death. You can't tell us we're not different people. We have such a deep history and such a deep friendship, but like, she likes anime and she's a cosplayer and she has a following online and she's, you know, she's super cool and like she's, you know, not married yet, but like maybe will be soon or maybe I don't know. And she's like more like on the sexier side and I'm more like not a cosplayer, not an I'm more like watching reality TV, like want to be a Kardashian type of gal, like I'm more like I want to inspire people and like bring people together, but I'm also married and a mom. 
her life journey is not better than mine just because she gets to play in the streets more. And my life journey isn't better than her just because I'm already married and I already have kids. She she can ha- someday have this too. And then it'll be my turn to play in the streets because my kids will be grown up. Like everyone's journeys are different. Long story short, you have to embrace yours and try to find joy in it. And I'll tell you, it's hard some days and there are days I cry and there are days I go like my life would be better if, and I think it's fine to have those moments. And I think it's also good to realize what you want to change in your life so you can make efforts to change that. Like, you know, if I want to be a boss babe, which, you know, I want to work for myself. If I want to work for myself, that means there's things I have to do now in order to do that. There's also seasons. There's also the acknowledgement that, wow, Mia's in elementary school, and the freedom that comes when Mia's in elementary school is a lot. So once the baby that I'm holding right now is in elementary school, my time is going to open up for those eight hours that are gone. Yes, I have to work, but as I said, I'm a, I'm a, I can multitask. Like, don't worry about me. I remember when I was going into the office, I would spend my lunchtime working on content and my lunchtime working on other things. This, And so everything has a season at the end of the day. That was a lot. So um, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, and I hope everyone has a good holiday season and remembers that it's not all about the gifts, but about the time spent with family. And gifts are fun. Um, obviously my goal with gifts is to give my kids what they want and to give them their dream Christmas. Cause I think it's magical. Like when Christmas is magical. Um, but aside from that, this is also your reminder that this season is normally very busy with like events, but whether it be school events or work events or church events or group events or life events like it's just a very busy season if it's a harder season for you it's okay to slow down and not go to every single thing um it's also okay to go to every single thing if that's what you need to get through the season and I'm that kind of person where I want to be doing everything but pick like one thing to give yourself this Christmas um and you can give it to yourself before Christmas I'm going to challenge you to pick one thing that you've really been wanting and you haven't done or haven't gotten yet and like get it for yourself, whether that be I've always wanted to get a massage, let me go ahead and book one while it's 50% off. You don't have to use that massage right now. You could book it for like, you know what, the day after, the weekend after New Year's, I'm going to need a massage after I got through this holiday season. Let me book that. If you're like me and there's like more expensive skincare that I don't buy because I look at it and I'm like, well, you know, that's like how many Lunchables could I buy with that if I didn't spend that money? Go ahead and get the skincare that you've been wanting or the pair of shoes you've been eyeing. For the, I've been eyeing a lot of things for a long time. There's a bag I've been eyeing for a really long time and skincare that I really need to go buy. Um, if you haven't gotten your nails done, like, you know what? Let me just reserve some time on a Thursday afternoon and get my nails done. Like do something that you've been wanting to do but haven't because I could spend this money on the kids or because I'm really, really busy or because do it. What And even if it's like, you know what, I've always wanted to go ice skating every season, but I never have. Go. Pick something you really want to do for yourself this season and do it. And I, I'm going to urge you to do it before Christmas because it's such a busy season. It'll feel good to like give back to yourself in a time where we're focused on giving to others. 
And it's not a bad thing to give to others. I absolutely think we should be. But as moms, we always put ourselves last. <laughs> I know I always eat last. My food's always cold. And um, I'm always eating with one hand, holding the baby. And I'm always eating last. And so, um, I'm going to do one thing where I put myself first. And that might be like, I go try a karate class. You know, they have those free intro karate classes. I'm going to try it and I'm going to tell them, no, I'm not signing up. I'm going to come back. Um, I want to come back with my husband or whatever the situation is, but like, maybe I want to do that. So that's my, um, little advice to you. I am going to go cause I've talked your ear off. Um, hopefully you, everyone traveled safe and had a great time with family. If you were by yourself this holiday, um, just imagine that I've been chatting with you the whole time cause you know, that can be lonely. You can always reach out to me if you need somewhere to go for Christmas because I got you, boo. I will take care of you, boo. You might just have to travel to me, though, because <laughs> I have three kids. I'm not going far. Um, but yeah, don't forget to like the podcast and follow the podcast and tell your friends about the podcast and share the podcast. Um, talk about me on TikTok, just anywhere to get more people to listen because I've I'm really floored by the fact that I've had listeners kind of reach out and say this podcast helped them in some way or even if it was cathartic and you cried while I cried like that's the whole point in motherhood like it's fun to listen to an influencer because I'm like I'm not an influencer but you know it's fun to listen to regular people who have laundry that they're staring at and have bills to pay right now instead of going out for mimosas like it's good to talk to some normal folks but anyway i love you all stay safe take care of yourself and take care of your family be well and i will talk to you soon